0: have questions? Do you need answers? The Pastor Study will help you find those answers through God's Word. Our teacher today is Pastor Tom Brock. The Pastor Study is sponsored by PastorStudy.org. So grab your Bible and join us for The Pastor Study.
1: Welcome to the Pastor's Study. We are doing a series on the parables, the stories Jesus told. Today we're going to see the story of the rich man and the poor man, but and it's all about heaven and hell. But you know, a while ago, I watched this hour and a half long documentary on the life of Dean Martin. I thought it was fascinating. Dean Martin, according to this was pretty immoral, kind of went from woman to woman. Uh, for the whole hour and a half, not one word about God. Didn't sound like he had any relationship with God. So at the end of the, the hour and a half, Dean Martin dies, and they're interviewing his friend. Well, what do you think, where do you think Dino is now, he says. And then Dino's friend says, well, I expect when Dino died, he went up to the pearly gates, and St. Peter handed him a martini and said, come on in, Dean, let's party. And I watched that and I thought, this guy doesn't have a clue. You know, there are a lot of myths about what happens when you die, what heaven will be like, what hell will be like. Jesus told us a parable in Luke chapter 16 to tell us about heaven and hell. So can we go through this parable today? Take out your Bible, if you would. Turn with me to Luke chapter 16 and let's look at the story of the rich man and the poor man. Before we begin, let's pray. Father, we wanna pray that each of us here will be shaken to the core of our being with the knowledge that there's a place called eternal heaven, and there's a place called eternal hell. And Lord, for anyone listening to this program that doesn't know where they're going to spend all eternity, Lord, open their ears and, and open my mouth and speak to us now through this ancient parable, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, before we look at this story, let's find out who the audience was. Who was Jesus telling this parable to? Uh, Luke chapter 16, look at verse 14, where it says, Now the Pharisees, that was the Jewish religious leaders, the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, were listening to all the things Jesus said and were scoffing at him. And Jesus said to the Pharisees, You are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts. So Jesus is telling this story to the wealthy, money-loving Pharisees. That's kind of important to know. Here's the story. Look, at, look down to verse 19. Now there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in the splendor every day. And a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate covered with sores, and he was longing to be fed with the crumbs that were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. Kind of a little detail here, here's the first lesson. Angels come at our death. It says in that verse, angels came to get the soul of this poor man. I can remember years ago, Billy Graham was preaching and he said in his sermon, angels come for you when you die. And I remember thinking, where's that in the Bible? That's not in the Bible. Yes, it is right here. Angels come to get us. I'll I'll show you a picture here. This is a picture we have hanging up, and here is Grandma in the the bed. If you can see old Grandma here. But here comes an angel to pull her up into heaven in her perfect new body. And people are grieved, and the dog is crying. But Grandma's not, because the angel has come to pull her up into heaven. Now, I don't think it's going to be exactly like this, but who knows? According to Jesus in Luke 16, angels come for you when you die. Look at verse twenty-three. In Hades, the poor, the rich man lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and he saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. I want you to notice the word torment there. And here's the next lesson: Hell is torment. There was a, a popular country music song called Hell Yes. And this country woman singer is, I saw this on TV, if you're a good redneck country girl, yell Hell Yes. And then all the women yelled Hell Yes. And if you blah, 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 yell Hell Yes. Hell Yes. And the whole song, she's having everybody scream Hell Yes. You know, I don't use the word Hell. My dad did. When I was a kid, dad would go, Oh Hell, about things. I knew it was wrong, but I didn't know why. I think I know why now. You don't say, Oh Hell. Because hell is real; it's torment. You don't want to trivialize hell by saying "Oh, hell," because there really is a place, and it's horrible. Uh, look at verse 24. And the the rich man cried out and said, "Father Abraham, up in heaven, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony." in this flame here's the next lesson you can ask for mercy too late Uh, you know this rich man is begging for mercy but it's too late he's not going to get any mercy there is a heresy in the christian church today called universalism it's taught in many of our seminaries a lot of your pastors believe in universalism universalism teaches everybody goes to heaven universally, everybody will be saved. And if you don't believe in Jesus when you die, you get a second chance, you get a third chance, you get a 19th chance because eventually God will let everybody into heaven. That's a heresy. This parable is clear. When you die, if you're not with Christ, you're eternally in hell. And the most powerful painting I've ever seen is in the Sistine Chapel where the Pope gets elected and it's this huge Michelangelo painting of the Last Judgment. Jesus is in the middle coming down in the clouds, the saved are being pulled up into heaven, the damned are being pulled down into hell, and then there's one picture um, of one of the men who looks like this. He's just discovered he's damned for eternity and it's too late. I have this picture hanging on the wall because it reminds me this is why I'm in the Christian ministry. I want as few people as possible to look like this on the last day. It is possible to ask for mercy too late. There's a story of a Norwegian pastor that used to visit this man. His wife came to church but this man never came to church. the, the Norwegian pastor would go to the, the house and said, Sir, why don't you come to a church with your wife? We all need Jesus. We all need to be fed spiritually. The man never came until the man died. Then he showed up in church dead in a coffin. And the story goes in the sermon, the pastor preaches, and at the end of his sermon, he comes down from the pulpit, stands over the dead body, and says, Forescent. For senta, which is Norwegian for, too late, too late, too late for you to come to church now. This parable in Luke chapter 16 teaches against universalism. No, everybody doesn't go to heaven. If you reject Christ and you die, it's too late afterwards. It's over. Look at verse 25. But Abraham said to the rich man down in hell, child remember that during your life you receive good things and likewise Lazarus bad things now he is being comforted here and you are in agony here's the next lesson in the next life God comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable if in this life you are afflicted by your sin you'll be comforted in the next life but if in this life you're comfortable in your sin you'll be afflicted in the next Everything is going to be inversed in the next life. Look at verse 26. And besides all this, between us and you rich man, there is a great chasm fixed so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able and that none may cross from over there to us. Here's the next lesson. Heaven and hell are eternal. Once you get into heaven, you're never going to leave and you never want to leave. But once you get into hell, you're never going to get out. I have a, a pastor that keeps emailing me. We have a radio show here in the Twin Cities, and he doesn't like it. And he, kept, he, he maybe sent me 20 emails. And his view is, when you die, if you don't believe in Christ, you go to hell for a while. And then God lets you into heaven. <laughs> and he sent me so many of these emails. I finally wrote him back. I said, sir, where is that in the Bible? That, you, that hell is temporary? That's not what Jesus taught in, in the book of Matthew uh, 20, 27, uh, 26 or 28. Which, which Jesus talks about eternal punishment in Matthew. It's not for five minutes. It's not for five years. Hell is eternal punishment, says Jesus. Listen to this from a, a New Testament scholar called Lenski. Pitiless are the final judgments of God and this parable is the illustration. Let men ignore them or rave against them now and say they cannot believe in such a God. The facts stand as they are depicted here. In other words, you might not like the doctrine of eternal hell, so it's still there. Years ago, we had an evangelist come to the church and he preached a very good sermon. And he said that he was on the plane coming over and sitting next to an atheist. So this evangelist talked to the atheist about Jesus. And the atheist said, well, thank you, but I'm glad that works for you, but it doesn't work for me. I don't believe in hell. And the evangelist said, so? And the the atheist said, well, uh, uh, you you believe in all that? I don't believe in heaven or hell. And the evangelist said, so? (laughs) And his point was, just because you don't think it's there doesn't make it go away. This parable, whether you like it or not, teaches eternal heaven and eternal hell. You'd be surprised how many Christian preachers don't believe in hell anymore. I will tell you this too. I mean, when I was a little boy, we used to watch The Twilight Zone. The scariest Twilight Zone episode I ever saw this evil man dies, and he stands before this beautiful white area, and here's a man dressed in white. Welcome, says the man in white. What would you like? And this man says, Well, I, I, I guess I'd like a drink. A big limousine pulls up. The white man in white takes the man down to a bar, and the man drinks a lot. What would you like next? Well, I'd like a few women. So you see him running around with women. And this goes on for half an hour, and the, the, the evil man gets sicker and sicker and sicker of all this and finally he says to the man in white you know I think you made a mistake I was an evil man on earth I think I should be in the other place and the man dressed in white says you are in the other place <laughs> Now, I don't think hell is gonna be like that because it's gonna be horrible but the point is when you get to heaven you're there for eternity <sighs> hear this if you go to hell you're there for eternity and it's not booze and women it's eternal torment. Look at verse 27. And the rich man then said to Abraham, Then I beg you, Father, that you send him, the poor man, to my father's house. For I have five brothers, in order that he may warn them, so they will not come also to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets, the Old Testament, let them hear them. Here's the next lesson. I think Jesus is aiming this right at his audience, the Pharisees. Let the Scriptures warn you. Pharisees, your love of money, let the Old Testament warn you that that's going to kill you. Do you let the Bible warn you? When I was 13 years old, I got a Bible, my Confirmation Bible. I started reading it every night when I was 13. And when I got into high school and my buddies were getting drunk every weekend, I couldn't do that. And why? I think it's because I was reading my Bible every night. <laughs> I mean, I still, I, I, I still read my Bible every day. And, you know, I still sin and thought, word, and deed daily. But you should see what I'd be like if I didn't read the Bible. And my point is, read your Bible every day. Let it warn you, says Jesus. Look at verse 30. But the rich man said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they, my brothers, will repent. And here's the next lesson. Repentance is necessary for salvation. The reason this rich man went to hell is because he never repented. Let's talk about a serious problem in the Christian church today. It's called easy believism, or you can call it cheap grace and and, and follow this. The central doctrine of the Apostle Paul, of the Book of Romans, of Martin Luther and Protestantism, the central doctrine, I think, of the New Testament is we're saved by grace alone, not by our good works. That should be the central doctrine. It's a glorious doctrine. You can't get to heaven by being good because you're a sinner. Our only hope is Christ on the cross, we're saved by grace alone, hallelujah. All of that is true and should be central. However, it's being twisted. And well, because we're saved by grace alone, I can do whatever I want. That lie was in the church way back when Paul wrote Romans false teachers got in the church of Rome and said, well, we're saved by grace alone, so sin it up. So Paul had to write Romans chapter 6, shall we then continue in sin that grace might increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. Therefore, we've been buried with Christ by baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Paul's point point in Romans 6 is, yes, we're saved by grace alone, but it's a wonderful grace. It's an amazing grace. It's a power grace, it changes your life. And if there's no repentance in your life, there's no change in your life, then you haven't been saved by grace alone. I mean, I'll tell you what irked me. When I heard of a a hospital, a Lutheran hospital in Portland, Oregon, that was performing abortions, I wrote the Lutheran bishop and I said, how can we kill babies in a Lutheran hospital? He, He wrote me back a very polite letter. We can do this because the Lutheran church believes in the grace of God and I wrote him back. So the grace of God lets us kill babies? That's called grace abuse. Again, we're saved by grace alone, not by anything we do, but part of grace is you repent. (laughs) Look at verse 31. But Abraham says to the rich man in hell, If they, your brothers, do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead and someone did rise from the dead his name was Jesus and the Pharisees still wouldn't believe in him so here's the last lesson proof will not convince a hard heart yesterday we had our we a radio program here in the Twin Cities and it's a call-in show an atheist called in yesterday and I used to be a Christian, but then I, when I studied it, I realized I can't believe in that book anymore. So now I'm an atheist. So I tried to lovingly, humbly give him some evidence. What about all the archaeological evidence, things they've dug up in Pal- Palestine that verify the Old and New Testament? What about Isaiah 53, Psalm 22? These prophecies written hundreds of years BC that predict the, the uh, in detail the crucifixion of Christ and But, you know, no, 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 he had a hard heart and no amount of evidence was going to convince him. That's what Jesus is saying here. If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, the Old Testament, they're not going to listen if somebody rises from the dead. In other words, if you want to have a hard heart, and even if God did a miracle, I had a buddy, my buddy Jeff I grew up with, he's an atheist, he used to say, if God would give me a fiery vision, I'd believe in him. And I'm thinking, no you wouldn't, you would say that was a hallucination. (laughs) So. My point is, Jesus' point is, all the evidence in the world isn't going to convince you if you're set on having a hard heart. Well, let me, uh, let me close by making one final point. It's kind of the big point of the of the parable. And here's what one Old Testament uh, New Testament scholar William Barclay wrote. What damned the rich man in this parable was not that he did bad things but that he did nothing for the poor man as the dogs licked his wounds." Did you catch that? Notice the poor, the rich man goes to hell not because of what he did, but because he didn't do anything. So let me, cl- let me close this sermon by asking you the question, are you doing anything? Do you care for the lost? Do you, want, do you give money to missionaries so they can go to, missionaries can get out there so people can go to heaven? Do, do, you, do, you, do you care for the poor people in the world? The people that are hurting that God's put in your life, do you care about them at all? If you don't, according to this story, your soul's in trouble. Christian, we're saved by grace alone. Of course we are. It's our only hope is Jesus' death on the cross. But if you're truly saved by grace alone, you want to do something for people. You want them to be saved. You want them to be healed. And where are you in this parable? Are you the poor man in heaven or are you the rich man in hell? Amen.
2: Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, one of our viewers has a question about a previous sermon that you preached about the parable of the four soils. Mm -hmm. They thought they heard you say that God hardens a person's heart. And if that's what you really said, and God does harden a person's heart, can that ever change?
1: Well, Jackie, that is the, I want to encourage everyone to read Romans chapter 9, where Paul deals with this. It's called predestination, and it's in the Bible. I believe in predestination. And here's what Paul says in, in Romans chapter 9. God hardened Pharaoh's heart in the Old Testament so that God can do all these miracles and show his power, and so eventually the Jews could leave Israel. And then Paul kind of concludes and says, so God hardens whom he wills, and God has mercy on whom he wills. You will say to me then, why does God still find fault for who can resist his will? And Paul's answer is, who are you, O man, to talk back to God? Will the clay talk to the potter and say, why'd you make me this way? It's kind of heavy duty. And so Jackie, uh, here's the deal. If you reject Christ, your heart gets hard. Can God overcome that? Yes. In fact, He did that for you. He did that for me. The reason you and I are sitting here is because the Holy Spirit overcame the hard heart we were born with and gave us the gift of grace. You could ask the hard question, why doesn't He do that for everyone? Some things we leave to the mysteries of God.
2: So if God hardens your heart, then you're hardened for eternity? No, I'm
1: not willing to say that. I mean, we are, we are all born with a hard heart. Okay. So if someone at age 18 turns to Christ, it's God who's unhardening their heart and bringing them to faith. So we can't say that, you know, because you don't believe in Christ, you never will believe in Christ. That's not the way it works. In fact, in, in the book of Acts, it says the Lord opened Lydia's heart to receive the things said by Paul. And she was a, a, a grown woman.
2: Okay. Yeah. Pastor Brock, our next question deals with the specific chapter of scripture, which is 1 Corinthians 7. And our, listener has a question about the quote in it, let them marry. Mm -hmm. They have not sinned. Mm -hmm. Let him do what he will. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about this?
1: In 1 Corinthians 7, Paul is talking to people about what they should do if they're single, what they should do if they're divorced, what they should do if they're widows. And and he talks about a couple that are engaged. And he says it's better if they can handle it to be single and live for the Lord as single people because you have more time. But he said, but if, if they can't control their things, then let them marry, they have not sinned. And so, uh, Paul is, is all for marriage, but he's also for celibacy, if you can handle being single. So that is what's going on in First Corinthians 7. Okay,
2: yeah. um, so I guess I'm confused what this person is concerned about it. Mm-hmm.
1: I think uh, the, he had, I think that his concern too, was he has friends that are saying you can get divorced and remarried to somebody new and he holds a more conservative view and I do too, that yes, you, if, if your spouse cheats on you, you can divorce them. Are you free to remarry? I think not from First Corinthians 7. Other people have different understandings, but Paul says if you do get divorced, either remain single or be reconciled to your spouse, but he doesn't say go find person number two. And you know, Jackie, I'll say this too, somebody told me yesterday of a person who divorced their spouse, got married to somebody new. Divorced their new spouse and then got remarried to person number one, and you know, Jackie, the book of Deuteronomy says that is polluting the land. You are not to do that. So if you if you divorce and get remarried and then you want to go back to person number one, according to the Bible, you don't do that.
2: Yeah, that's interesting, mm. Pastor Brock, Where did the devil come from, and can you read our thoughts?
1: Yeah. Well, that's, the big question there is where did, did the devil? Come? Where did the devil come from, and Christians, if I can throw around a little philosophy here, Christians are eternal monists. Mon meaning one. We think only one thing has always existed and that's God. There are some other religions. I think Zoroastrianism is this. They're eternal dualists too. They think evil is eternal and good. God is eternal. That's not Christianity. Christianity teaches the only one who's always existed is God. The devil is not eternal. The devil is a creature. He, he, he is finite. He was created at a point in time. Now the, the theory, and I think it's a good theory, but you know, Jackie, exactly where the devil came from is never spelled out. He just shows up in the garden as a snake, but it never says how he got there. The theory is that God created the angels. One of the angels, Satan, rebelled against God and took some other angels with him. Those are the fallen angels that became the demons. I think that's a good theory. But honestly, I don't think we know exactly how the devil came to be the devil.
2: There isn't any scripture in I place don't think there, so,
1: not my understanding. There are some people that point to a couple passages in the Old Testament that they think is talking about this angelic fall, but really they're talking about the king of Tyre. So Okay. Yeah.
2: Is there anything in the Bible about the devil having horns?
1: No there's nothing in the devil uh, in the bible this is medieval you know if you if you go to the cathedrals in europe they have big pictures up of the devil and in, in the you know 12 13 14 hundreds he'll have a tail and he'll have horns but and he'll be red but there's nothing about a pitchfork and there's nothing about him being red there's nothing about horns
2: okay one last question on hell
1: mhm
2: what will hell be like and is it eternal
1: yeah well, that's what we we just talked talk about. about and there sum is it a up. There's a group called the Seventh-day Adventists, and they're annihilationists. And they believe when you die, if you don't believe in Christ, you just get wiped out. But again, I have to point out, in the end of Matthew, Jesus talks about eternal life in heaven and eternal punishment in hell. So I I believe... uh, Now, Jackie, again, though, sad to say, you'd be amazed how, how many pastors don't believe in hell anymore. Because they believe God is so loving, my loving God wouldn't send anyone to hell. Well, who cares who you think your God is? We don't invent God. Jesus talked about hell, and it's a place of eternal punishment. And like we just learned from Luke 16, um, you don't get out. You can beg to get out, and you don't get
2: out. Hades and hell, the same?
1: Same thing, referring to the same thing.
2: Well, we want to thank you for being with us. At the end of the program here, we're going to be running our new website location where you can check out what the pastors study. Has evolved into and what we're doing, we pray that you would consider supporting us with your prayers as we try to do some new ventures. And we pray that God will be with you to together again next time.
0: Thank you for tuning into the Pastor's Study. We ask, would you pray for our ministry as we seek to spread the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ? And would you pray about supporting this ministry? Our address is The Pastor Study, 5200 Emerson Avenue North, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55430. Our website is pastorstudy.org. And our phone number is 763-260-4484. May God richly bless you and join us next week at the same time as we study God's Word. Until then, may the blessing of our one triune God Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you.